I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. This week, you'll find us once more exploring our interview archive, travelling back to 2012 and listening in to a conversation between Norwegian pianist Leif Overansnest and John Talansky about the piano work of Beethoven. And it's just so haunting, you know, you, you, you can't go wrong with it. It's just there's something about those notes. You play them together and they sound totally magical and and they sound like the most beautiful melody you've ever heard and it all comes from down somewhere which is very very deep we'll hear the pianist and conductor's thoughts on what he considers some of the most significant piano music ever written which he brought to the ears of the audience at the venue back in 2012 let's learn now about the pianist's approach to beethoven's tempestuous tuneful beautiful and uplifting piano sonatas over to john Talansky. Music of Beethoven, his first piano concerto, played by one of the most greatly acclaimed virtuoso artists of our time, Lef over Ansnes, accompanied by the Mahler Chamber Orchestra, and they're conducted by Lef over Ansnes. Yes, these set of recordings of the Beethoven concerti that are coming out are all featuring Lef over Ansnes playing the piano and also conducting, and if I may say so, obtaining a wonderful detail and rhythm and nuance from the orchestra. It's part of a very big international project over a long period of time that Leifover Ansnes has called the Beethoven Journey. And indeed, Beethoven is the composer that features right through his Barbican recital on March the 4th at 
half past seven, in which he's going to be playing music from Beethoven's early, middle and late periods, and a particularly interesting and rarely performed work that was written at a very critical time in his life. And so Beethoven is particularly a concentrated part of Leofover Anzen's extremely wide repertoire at present. He's here for this Barbican Classical Music podcast to talk about Beethoven and, of course, about the recital on March the 4th. Lef over. That was a very long introduction from me, but it's nice to see you again. Thank you very for coming nice along here. The Beethoven journey would be an interesting starting point, if we may. Let's hear how you conceived it and where you've got with it. Well, it it's grew with me, this idea that I had to devote um, a period of time to this great composer. And, you know, as a pianist, you have such a privilege of, of, of uh, so much repertoire. It's... it's it, Actually, the main challenge is often to to know how to choose and what to choose and and when to choose it. And um, I have never devoted a period to one composer like this. I've I've always spread myself. Um, okay, I've done some projects, Schubert sonatas over some years, but I always at the same time played Rachmaninoff and Prokofiev, whatever. Um, now I thought. You know, I never made Beethoven the focus of my activities, and I love more and more this music, and I see how much this music is. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, well, just so human, so spiritual, so so important to both me and to the audience. And, and um, I want to devote three or four years to it. Um, then actually, I mean, this becomes also a very long answer now. Um, five, six years ago, I played concerts in Sao Paulo in Brazil. And I stayed in a hotel where I, every time I entered the lift, heard a fragment of the first or second piano concerto by Beethoven. It was played in a loop. Um, and I thought this would make me mad. But actually, the, the opposite thing happened, that I, I, I thought every time I... I 
I, I heard 37 seconds of it. You know, what a wonderful idea. How fresh, how beautiful, how true, how provoking. Uh, and I, it started, I started thinking, you know, this happened, has to happen now, this period of, with me and Beethoven. Uh, now is the time. And yeah, then I decided to, to do that. Your Beethoven journey, of course, which is taking you uh, around the world, isn't it? Yeah, so it's geographically a journey very much because I'm I'm playing these concertos and sonatas um, um, on different continents. And and my aim is also to play them, the concertos with different conductors, different orchestras, and then also play with uh, without a conductor to to lead the orchestra myself, which I'm then ultimately doing when I'm when I'm recording them with the Mahler Chamber Orchestra. So it's a journey in many respects, but it's also of course an inner journey for me to. To, to, to try to get closer and closer to the heart of, the, of this great music. And when you take this journey on, it is almost, isn't it, you were talking about Beethoven being very fresh, it is almost, isn't it, like looking at a journey of the most cataclysmic change, really, in music, I think, that's, that's almost ever taken place in a short period of time because of one composer. If we look mm. at this astonishing development and trajectory in his style and at the beginning of his life where he was in musical perspective historically speaking and by the time he died which was what only 30 years after he'd started composing really how the world of music had changed in so many ways because of him so that's a tremendous span isn't it to take on and and of course how it influenced uh, the 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 future of music after after him as well so so greatly, yeah. Yes, you're 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 right. This development is is enormous, and at the same time, I always think when when I read things about the five piano concertos, they are written within a relative you know short span of time. I mean, eleven, twelve years or so. Um, but there is a development, and one always reads that the first two piano concertos are very much in the tradition of Haydn and Mozart, and then by the third, he finds himself, and there's the personality of Beethoven. I I tend to disagree with that. I mean, there's so much real Beethoven in the, in the two first piano concertos. You know, you have that new sound, both in the orchestra, that very symphonic sound, um, the provoking chords, you know, the, the, the space, uh, and the, the, a new joy in the piano virtuosity, you know. Show what I can do, you know. Uh, the, I, the, I, look, look what I can do. I, I want to show you both compositionally and, and pianistically. This is, this is fun. There's so much of that in the, in the two first uh, concertos. And the slow moments have a new space um, also between the chords that you don't find in, in, in Mozart, for instance. So it's a new, um, it's a completely new world, you know. He was uh, a galaxy of his own.
Well, that was part of the second movement of Beethoven's first piano concerto in the new recording, relatively new recording, with Lefova Ansnes playing and also directing, conducting the Mahler Chamber Orchestra. And if I may say so, getting a really wonderful style and tension there. So this is something that I hope you will develop more and more and more as time goes on, conducting. Well, thank you, but I, I, I'm a, I don't have any ambition to to conduct symphonies, though. I mean, what I, I find it very challenging, but also lots of fun to 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 be directing or conducting, if you want, the uh, chamber orchestras in these concertos. It's challenging because um, it is a different world from Mozart, which is so much about dialogue and listening to each other and a kind of extended chamber music. In, in Beethoven, you find that there is a new element of... Um, also friction between the soloist and the orchestra. You know, the, the soloist is, is taking the material and says, hey, I can do it better than you. I can do it, you know, in a different way. And, 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 and the orchestra has to be also very strong. There is this new sound. Um, so uh, the challenge is for it not to become just another session of cozy chamber music making. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the music is more ambitious than that. Um, and but it's psychologically very interesting for me then to do this this double role because I have to be very strong as a soloist and also give them impulse as as, as a leader. And then there are moments where we where we melt together in great chamber music making, and then other moments where we are really separate. Um, and I couldn't do it without you know the great quality of 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 this orchestra, which is it's 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 such a such an injection for me to, to, to work with them. I, I get so much back from these musicians. Well, you mentioned the word challenge, but you've taken a big challenge on yourself with your recital because it's a huge span of Beethoven's life as a composer, beginning around 1799, 1800, with the sonata in B-flat major, number 11, opus 22, going through the variations in F major, opus 34, which was around 1802, then the Appassionata, Sonata, which was about 1805, and ending up with the Opus 101, which was written probably around 1816. And those dates aren't really anyhow relevant, because what's relevant is the extraordinary variety and development of these works and styles. Um, Starting off with the Opus 11 in B-flat major, Opus 22, uh, some people think of this as the end of an era, don't they? I, I'm not so sure I do feel about this. Even the quirky opening, I always think, could only be Beethoven, couldn't it? Yes, but it it has, um, you know, all the, the marks of the early style and, you know, the, the, the joy of the virtuosity and of the gestures. You could say that, you know, it's influenced by, by the Haydn gestures, the, that, that quirky opening. It's a little bit also like, like Opus 10, number, number 2, F major, you know, uh, those kind of openings. Um and um and then there's this very um brilliant first moment what what marks maybe a you know a, a new development is the slow moment i think which is so spacious um it's um it's it's it's, it's sort of um what do you call it rollicking uh, slow adagio which just um it just opens up so many doors in this, this cantilena. It's a long aria, basically, uh, but with so much space. Um, I can't think of any other of the early sonatas that quite ha- have, has that in, in it. And I find it a very unique moment in, in the whole output by Beethoven, actually. 
It's a very interesting point, isn't it? Because already in this very early stage of his life, he was writing these endless, spacious, meditative movements before he went through his big emotional crisis. It's interesting to me that. Yeah. Though, I mean, the, if we talk about his his handicap, of course, of, of, of becoming increasingly deaf, uh, he, he knew about that yeah. remarkably early. Yeah. I mean, you know, he... When he was about twenty, he he probably discovered that this was this was a problem, and then gradually it developed. So by this time, it's it has developed into a problem, um, and so this already these moments of loneliness, which is which is so much part of of, of these uh, slow moments, um, you know, I don't know if it comes from that, but it the, the, he was he was alone in the world, um, mm. that's for sure, and. You know, if we turn to the to the late sonata opus one hundred and one, where he was very isolated as a person, at the same time, this is some of the most happy music. You know, I can, I can think of it as such a spirit of of sometimes sometimes of of inner peace and harmony. Do you know also turbulence, but but uh, incredible light, and 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 you think how, how could this person also find that within him? The variations in F major, Opus 34, we, we, we don't really hear those terribly no, often. I think it's a terribly neglected piece, and it's such a wonderful piece. It's a relatively short, short set of variations. But, and, and like often with, I think, the great composers, when they, when they write great variation pieces, they, the theme itself is not so remarkable. It's beautiful, yes, but then what they, what they do with it, you know, what Beethoven does with it. Of course, think about the Diabelli variations, which is like... A, Metamorphosis, you know, um, but uh, but in this piece, just after a very simple F major adagio theme, he turns to D major and a completely different sound world and like birds singing in the first variation. And from there he goes, you know, there's a march, there's a very lively 6-8 uh, allegro, there is a menuet, there, and so many wonderful characters. I, I just love that piece. And... Despite the originality of it, and there are parts of these variations that seem to be looking, particularly the fifth variation, perhaps, at a later Beethoven, but despite that, I still think that the contrast in style between that and the next work, chronologically, that you're playing, which is the Sonata Number no. 23 in F major, the Appassionata, which is only three years later, I mean, it's just a different world straight away, isn't it, in so many ways. Extraordinary. A different world, but it's also a different... A very different kind of piece. I mean, we're we're going to from from a, a variation where he shows within a very light sort of uh, idiom what 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 he can do with different characters, and then to a very ambitious new form of sonata. Um, but also, you're right. The way that he also uses then the piano when it comes to the Abba Sonata is is just extraordinary. And I think this piece is so loved also so much because of its. Of, of the sheer sounds that he, 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 he created, how he uses the bass, how he uses the extremes of the keyboard um, is, is just remarkable. For me, one of the most magical places for me is actually the beginning of the second moment because that's, is it a chorale? Is it a melody? What is it? And it's all down in the, in, in the lower end of the keyboard. Um, and it's just so haunting, you know. You, you you can't go wrong with it. It's just there's something about those notes. You play them together, and this sound 
totally magical and and they sound like the most beautiful melody you've ever heard and it's not really a melody it's mm. it's it's a chorale and it all comes from down somewhere which is very very deep um and and it of course the then the theme develops through through a set of variations in a way um as so often in middle and late period Beethoven going up the treble and ends up, uh, you know, by the angels. It is this feeling of, isn't it, almost um, gratitude for nature or whatever, and Mm. that, as you have said, it isn't really melodic, it's harmonic, but the performer brings it to sound melodic because of its extraordinary progressions. And I think this is one of the great things in Beethoven. I mean, I think it's mm. a terrible generalization, what I've said, because what's a melody? But Beethoven is sometimes spoken of as not being as melodic, shall we say, as some composers. Mm. But I think the way you've described it tells us it's a different concept of melody, isn't it? And I think, yes, I, I think you're right. And I think the the feeling of, 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 of something melodious and... and and something singing can come from so many aspects in music. And, and I can't think of any other composer who knew so well the value of an octave, of a third, of a fifth, you know, how it sounds, especially coming, coming from the bass. And, you know, that is something just extraordinary. So by the, by the sound itself, he, he, he creates something sounding so wonderfully melodic. And then, of course, I mean, he, he could also write beautiful melodies. You know, you think of the of the last moment of the Ninth Symphony and so on. But uh, but but they often come that that it doesn't start there. It starts with rhythm. It starts with harmony and 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 the sound. I think mm, that's the thing, isn't it? What you've just said. It doesn't start there. It's conceived in terms of the harmony, which is where he pushed music forward. So that when mm. we come to the Opus One Hundred One, of course, there are some extraordinarily daring harmonies and that now you alluded before which I was very happy you did about actually a lot of the brightness and beauty and mm. light in this work but at the same time of course we are now in on the cusp really of late Beethoven on the cusp I would mm. say and here even now after all these years this work can in places sound very strange and very modern yeah and it's a very diverse piece of music within itself I mean talking about melody just now I mean, I, I just think the first moment of, of this sonata is one of the most beautifully lyrical things that, that any composer has ever, ever, ever written. And it just sounds like a total unbroken melody for, for, for as long as it lasts, what is it, three minutes or so. And then you have this march-like mm-hmm. moment, which is really only march-like. I mean, it's not really a march, and it's a very quirky march, the, the, the second moment, and which makes me always think of Schumann, because I think, you know, Schumann clearly has loved that movement so much and all the dotted rhythm stuff going on that's that that you know you find that in so many Schumann pieces and then a very dark slow very short slow moment and the most wonderfully quirky ingenious movement of all I think you know it's, it's, it's the last moment very long uh, contrapuntal but breaks up into all kinds of dancing rhythms. And, and, and here is, I think, this is such happy music. I mean, uh, it's so young at heart in a way, and uh, you know, where he found the energy to, uh, to feel that, you know, it's unbelievable in his situation. For the pianists at the time, it must have been an enormously demanding thing to take on a work, and most of these sonatas of Beethoven, but 
particularly the later ones, where the contrasts are so diverse. Right? Sure. Yeah. And that's a big challenge, isn't it? For us, it's a big challenge. And, and, and in our time, when we have been used to so much different and diverse piano repertoire, we can imagine at that time. I mean, I, I, I remember as a child, I, I uh, um, you know, also as a student, I found it very foreign sometimes to play Beethoven's piano music because you felt that he was there was often nothing in the middle of the keyboard. There was there would be things at, at the extreme of of the keyboard they had at least. Um, and uh, if you think of the the radical change from a Mozart sonata where you deal so often with with things going on in the middle, it's much more comfortable to play. And then this space that Beethoven tries to create with this. Melodies very high up in the register and the bass, um, you know, very enigmatic in a way, but but so rich when you when you when you start to to, to go into it and find out what, how to use this for 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 space in the music. Well, you have. I'm right in saying I think already recorded certainly the next of the Beethoven Journey concerto discs, and uh, I think it's coming out. As we're recording this, it'll be virtually coming out, mm. your next Beethoven concerto recording on its way. Which is number two and four, and um, I'm very excited about that. And then again in May, we're recording already um, number five, um, The Emperor, and The Choral Fantasy. So then we have done all of them. And the Beethoven journey will continue beyond there as a geographical journey, as um, a psychological journey, you as know, a musical journey. <laughs> well, for me, a, a sort of peak season with uh, with with uh, in this journey with the concertos is is then the next season where I'm doing many residencies in in different cities, um, playing all five Beethoven concertos and the Choral Fantasy um, in ten or twelve uh, cities around around the world. Um, and it will be finished in July 15, and then I think I will say goodbye to the Beethoven concertos for a while at least, because it's been very, very intense period. When it comes to other pieces like sonatas and so on, I will certainly continue to 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 play them the next years. And this is music that that will follow me for the rest of my life, of course. And this brings us to the end of this podcast. Lefo Varansnes, thank you enormously for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. We will say au revoir to you for now, with the last movement, a little extract from, of, Beethoven's third piano concerto, played by you in your Beethoven journey recording and conducted by you with the Mahler Chamber Orchestra. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of the Nothing Concrete podcast, here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and themed series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 